I so appreciate it when somebody uses their gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. I saw it this weekend on our confirmation retreat how adults who had a passion for sharing their faith um, sat down with kids and um, just opened their hearts to them, told them what it meant to pray, told them what it meant to come to the altar of God and lay out their life before him in a way that God can take us and use us. It's powerful to see God shape lives. And it's powerful to watch a church that is um, that has an energy that's drawing people in this morning at our Next Steps breakfast. Um, we heard several couples say that they had visited here and they had to force themselves to go to other churches to visit and they were drawn back. And so, praise God, they were drawn back here and um, we want people to go where the Spirit of God is leading them to go. And for those that have come here, I'm sure God has a role for them to come in and take. Um, today we're going to look at the parable of the talents. It's from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Um, It's long, so I'm going to let you sit. So um, if you will open your ears, open your hearts to the word of God this day. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who, gained, who had been given two talents gained two more. But the man who received the one talent dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, for everyone who has will be given more and, he, and will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness 
where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. That's a tough parable to hear. Um, But it speaks to us about how God does bestow talents on us and not all of us use our gifts and our graces and our talents and our abilities for the kingdom of God. There are people who um, will stand outside and, and look in and say, it looks great and it's appealing, but I'm just not convinced yet. Or they are too shy to get up and maybe teach a class or sing or play an instrument to come to Wednesday night supper and sit and just find out what's going on in another person's life. They might be a good listener and not putting that skill to use. God is such a good God. He gives to us in abundance. Doesn't matter what our bank accounts say. If we have God in our lives, we are rich. If we have Christ in our hearts, we are rich. If the Spirit is guiding our steps, we prosper. When we look at what our talents are, it's more than just what we place in the basket that goes around or what we contribute online to the church. God has given each and every one of us a purpose. I was talking with the kids this weekend, and I was telling them that each one of them is fearfully and wonderfully made, and they're unique in their abilities. You can have identical twins side by side, and they will have different talents. They will go different ways, and they will glorify God in their own individual way. God doesn't make us to be clones of someone else because each of us has a role to fill in the kingdom. Yes, we have similar skills. We have similar gifts and abilities. But they're not given in equal degrees. They're not always given in what we feel is a fair and right manner. It's like I would love to have this beautiful voice that would cause people from all over to come hear me sing like Adele on the 28th when she comes. I'd love to have tickets to that too, but I don't. So, um, But that's not my gift. I've had more than one choir director say, when I need somebody with a joyful noise, I'll call you. Thankfully, I have a good sense of humor, and I say, okay, sounds good. (laughs) Vivian's shaking her head. It's true. (laughs) I admit where I'm not good. But I have other gifts and abilities that I have taken and been able to use in ministry and have been told that that is where my gifts lie. And it's been affirmed by others around me. You'll find that as your gifts are affirmed, You can hear the Word of God. You can hear the Spirit of God telling you, this is part of what I've created you to do. What's your gift? You don't have to answer me, but what's your gift? What do people tell you you're good at? We are charged with a responsibility and an accountability to God to take those gifts that we have been given, to take them to exercise them with love. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts that are bestowed upon us. It talks about how the Spirit gives us all different gifts. 
And then we hear that there is faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is what? Love. It doesn't matter what gift we've been given. If we exercise it without love, is it worth anything? No. If we can exercise the gifts that God has given us in love from the financial manager who sits down with the couple who is struggling and says, you know, you may have to cut your cable for a year to get back on steady ground, but it's going to be okay. To the person who is a tutor in a school who looks at the child with a learning disability and says, you know what, you can do this. You have the ability within you. Rather than just looking at them and saying, you know what, you're hopeless, I give up. We can all plant seeds of promise that will reap blessings for the kingdom that we'll never see, but they'll be part of the harvest. It's so important for us to understand that every gift we have is a gift from God. It's one that belongs to God. He gave it to us so that we can take it and grow his kingdom. Stewards are defined as those who manage the household. Those who, on a ship, take care of different things. There's a wardrobe steward. There's a kitchen steward. The steward is the one who doesn't necessarily own the assets, but who has been charged with the responsibility for taking care of them. We each are a steward in some way to our families, to our workplace or our school, to our life group, our Bible study class. We're a steward of the things that God has given us, and we're stewards of the resources of this church, which include our talents. This, this church is blessed beyond measure. In so many ways, each of us can come in, and we can even just do something small. But if we can come and we can confess that God has given us these gifts and that we want to use them to further his kingdom right here, mighty things can happen, not because of what we're doing, but because of what God is doing through us. We can step up. I'll never forget in softball, I wanted to hit a home run more than anything in the world. And I would get up and I would either strike out, get a base hit, or have a pop-up fly. And it would frustrate the daylights out of me. And after about three seasons of playing, I had a coach come up and she said, the only thing that's stopping you is you. You've decided you can't do it. And I've watched you come up and I've watched you, you have the ability. She said, I want you to go home and I want you to dream about the kind of player you wanna be. So I did. And the next game I got a double and the next game I got a triple and I was like, okay, this is good. I finally got my home run and it felt great. And then I started getting more of them. And I was never the star player, don't, don't think that. But I, 
I had set a goal. I had adults in my life who wanted to step up and encourage me and say, you know what, you've been given the ability to do this. There were other players on our team that said that they would go to and they'd say, you are a base hit hitter. That is your strength. That's what I need you to do for this team. And they would identify us. That was a year that I began to see possibility in different things. And I could begin to see how God was beginning to lay things out for me. We all have a time in our life. Even if you're a child, you can picture a time in your life when you begin to see what the possibilities God has for you are. When you begin to see what your gifts are. Miss Abby, I'm going to talk about you. Uh, (laughs) um, Abby was so great on confirmation retreat. The adults did not have to worry about the kids going to sleep because we knew Abby had it taken care of. Because she was going to come in and say, all right, y'all, it's time to go to bed, go to sleep. She wanted them to get the most they could out of the retreat, right? And she has her teacher voice down. So my encouragement to you is to consider that. She's awesome with the kids. We saw all the youth that way. The youth sang for us. Um, Nate Pliant stepped up, and he became David Kenraid, warming them up and pulling out the scale and the notes for them to sing on and making sure everything was good to go. It was awesome to see how these gifts, these seeds that had been planted, were growing It's tragic when we waste the gifts that God has given us. It's tragic when we don't use them. I've always heard that your life is a gift from God. Our gift to God is what we do with the life we've been given. We've been talking about all hands on deck, about the church as a ship, how we come together in worship, we adore God, we praise Him, we come before Him, we, we ask for Him to come into our lives, to intervene, to transform us, to protect us, to make us like the palm tree that's going to bend but not break. Through His strength, we begin to see that, and through fellowship, we begin to be connected to one another and to the Word of God in a deeper and mightier way than just post on Facebook might be an interaction or just stopping for a coffee every now and then. It leads to greater and greater conversations and you begin to know who you can call on. Discipleship deepens that bond with Christ even more as we step up and grab hold of those things that God wants us to do. Those things that God, God wants us to give up. We talked over the, the weekend about what it meant to sacrifice something. Our sixth graders get it. They said, you know, this is something that, that may be important to you, but you have to give up. And you have to give to God, and you have to trust him with it. I'm so proud of, of this group and the way that they are learning When we roll all of these things together, worship, fellowship, discipleship, our relationship with God, 
then we can begin to experience stewardship because then we become the managers of the assets of God, which include us. He created us, and he created us with a purpose and a vision. He had reason for it. When I was little, I heard in children's Sunday school about a, a little girl with brown eyes, and she wanted blue eyes so badly she couldn't stand it. She, she just uh, she begged her parents, can we just go to the doctor and just swap them out? When she grew up, she went to India and became a missionary. But she did this in a time when lives were being taken if you were trying to spread the gospel. She could take something and she could darken her skin. And someone came in one day when they saw her treating her skin to make it darker. And they said, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm going to pray for you. You need to begin every day by looking in the mirror and thanking God for your eyes. Because if you didn't have those dark, deep brown eyes like the people here, you couldn't do what you're doing. Our eye color <laughs> becomes a resource for God. So if you don't like your eye color, you have to like it now. There's, a, there's a, a lady named Patricia, and some of you may have heard her story before, but her church had, uh, she was part of a, a church that was doing a bake sale, and she made some rolls, and she took them in. She made about 20 pans. This happened in Alabama. And she took them in, and they sold out. They were having another bake sale about six months later, and they said, would you, would, Patricia, would you please make some more of these rolls for us? And so she says, okay, how many do you want? And they said, 100 pans. And she said, okay. So she made her 100 pans, and they sold out. Six months later, they had another bake sale. They called her, and they said, could you please do this? So she made 200, and they said, what is it that's so wonderful about these rolls? And she said, well, I don't know. They're my grandmother's recipe. She went to her Rotary Club the next week. She began to hear about children in the Ukraine who needed financial support, who needed prayer support. And she thought, I wonder if I could sell my rolls. She opened Sister Schubert's rolls. There's a tie to Noonan with this. I think there are several folks here who were in the sorority with her. And she began a company that now probably the blessings from that company grace our table at Thanksgiving or some other mealtime or a covered dish dinner or whatever it is we're going to. And they are good. If you're a bread person, you know Sister Schubert's. Um, <laughs> but she didn't just stop there. Yes, she made, she made money, but she took that money that she was making and she has begun to use it for things like scholarship funds for persons at Auburn who are going to commit their life to service to the world in some way. She sends money to orphanages 
She's changing the lives of children. There's a whole list of charities that she gives to. She's not a good steward because of the amount of money she has in her bank account. She's a good steward because she took what God had given her and she blessed people with it. Not just by nourishing our bodies with something that the doctor, Lewis, you may say that's not a very good thing for us to eat, but I like it, so. Um, <laughs> our doctors may tell us to avoid the carbs and avoid bread and that kind of thing, but it's good. It nourishes my body, especially it's a great comfort food. But she's nourishing souls. Did you know that just taking five minutes for somebody sometime can validate them? We had a gentleman to come through communion line at a friend of mine's church, and as he was coming through, the pastor stopped him and said, you know, and there was a line behind him. He said, he said we're going to stop right here. I need to know how you're doing. It was in the middle of the worship service. Everybody was wanting to be out. and He stopped this man, and the man teared up, and he said, I'm going to be okay. I'd love to talk to you about it some more. Thank you for asking. I had a conversation later that week, and he said, I was just about to give up on my faith because I thought God had forgotten me. It's powerful what God can do. When God gives us talents, when he comes to us and he gives us things to watch over, we can invest them. And it's in a way that will enrich not only our life, but others. On a ship, when the battle sound is called, it's an all hands on deck. We've talked about the church as a ship that needs to be prepared for spiritual battles. They're happening. There there are attacks on our faith left and right. If each of us don't take our station, are we prepared for battle? You don't have to answer that, but it's just something to think about. We all have an opportunity to step in, and it can be in many different ways, from the prayer shawl ministry on Tuesdays to the friendship committee writing to our shut-ins, those over 80 in our church, to the Grove, which works with persons with long-term illnesses, trials in their life, to the missions group where we pack meals for Stop Hunger Now just once a year, but we sent 15,580 meals to a country that needed food. And it took 47 minutes of our time, plus time to unload the truck and load it, and the administrative time. It's a pretty good investment. There's a table in the back. This is mine. You're going to get a letter from Lewis Jackson and Warren Budd, who have stepped up to lead our stewardship campaign. And it's going to give you some insight um, 
to what we're being called to do as a church. And in there, you're going to find this, this pamphlet that has a battleship on the front to remind us. And in that pamphlet, you're going to see a little portion right here. This portion, you will tear, will turn in the pamphlet that says they are. They'll go to the finance office. Finance will pull this portion right here. Your giving portion will stay in our administrative office. Nobody sees it except for them. It'll be entered in. And then the remainder of this pamphlet will be turned to ministry teams where you can identify a way that you can use the gift, the ability, the blessings that God has given you. There's all kinds of opportunities on here. In fact, there's, there's more that we couldn't fit on here. We had a, a time as a staff um, getting this figured out. Y'all need, to, y'all need to bless Nick because this, this was a major thing for us to get all of this in, and there's still more that can be done. But look on here. There's worship, discipleship, fellowship. There's ways you can uh, participate in worship in children's ministry, student ministry, education and programming, missions and outreach, evangelism, the music department, spiritual formation, in the stewardship team, in the administrative portions of the church, in fellowship as we gather around the table. Wednesday nights is such a good time to come and just gather around the table. Don't miss out. I tell my Bible study on Thursday nights, you're going to get out of this what you put into it. Are you investing the gifts and the talents that God has given you so that you can man your station? Are you stepping up, thanking God for those gifts, and saying, I want to use this for you? I want your name to be glorified. I want Christ, who went to the cross for us, I want his grace to be shared because it's a gift so good you can't help but give it away. Let the Spirit lead you in how God wants to use you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for the ways that you have blessed us for the resources, the talents, the abilities, the time, our social connections, our family, our education. From the smallest blessing to the greatest blessing, Lord, you give to us in abundance, and we come before you as your people seeking to give back, and we come as we are. You take us as we are broken, hurting, and you can take that and transform it. You can take us and and hone any skill we have to be an even greater skill to be used for you. We trust you and we love you, Lord. Guide our steps. Let us be your people.